This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Church, once again, uh, hey, if you're visiting with us for the first time, like Lakshmi said, welcome. Uh, I get to serve here on the leadership team. Uh, My name is Ashish, and I just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for joining us in worship. Uh, We would love if you stopped by the lobby after service, and I'd love to say hello to you and uh, just greet you. Uh, But thank you so much for being here. It means a lot to us. Uh, And and if you're looking for a church to worship with, uh, we we invite you to come back, worship with us. Um, In fact, we're not going to be here here at commission, at the, not at commission, but at courtyard uh, for too much longer. Uh, We're probably going to be here for the next month or so, uh, after which we're slowly making our transition to our new building that we are actually putting together. Uh, Construction process is going great. Uh, We are almost 80%, I would say, complete with all the construction work, and our teams have come in over the last few weeks and painted the walls or primered the walls and got it ready for painting, and we've had crews come in with masks and glasses, and uh, it's so dusty in there, making sure that uh, we sweep up all the dust, and uh, I am thankful to each one of you. Hey, if you, and I didn't call you guys out last week, but I want to call you out this week. Over the last two weeks, If you have helped out in any way, any shape or form, uh, I want to appreciate you. Would you stand up to your feet real quick if you were at church helping out with cleaning, with painting, with anything necessary, with building, whatever it is. Stand up to your feet real quick, real quick, all over this place. Come on. Don't be shy. Come on. You know, we, we know there's a large group of people that are over here and a lot of people that are not. Go ahead. Put your hands together. Just say thank you to every single person that is selflessly. I appreciate you guys. Go ahead and sit down, guys. Thank you for giving time and your effort into coming and making sure that we build the temple of God. So I'm so excited for what God is doing. We'll keep updating you as we grow closer to the date. Uh, we're, we're having a launch for sometime in October, but before that, we'll begin our services, of course, and we'll have a few preview services just to iron out kinks, so on and so forth. But we're excited for what God has in store for us on that front. Uh, We are continuing our sermon series, and right before I get into the Word, I want you to quickly watch this video, uh, and I'm going to come back in a few seconds and speak from the Word. How many times has life hit you with unexpected setbacks that are unexplainable and feel undeserved? It doesn't make sense when evil prospers or when desperate prayers go unanswered. Imagine asking God for an explanation and his answer being, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Well, that's exactly what God tells Habakkuk. Why do people who do bad things prosper? Why do my prayers go unanswered? Why does evil go unpunished? These are just some of the questions we grapple with in our earthly existence. Yet, the Christian musters everything inside themselves to forgive the unforgivable. How do they do this? How do they come back from major setbacks or stand in unwavering faith in the middle of deadly storms? It's by focusing on the purpose, not the pain. God doesn't stop bad things from happening. That wasn't part of the promise. The promise is, I am with you always till the end of time. So hold on, grip tight, ride the wave, allow your roots to dig deeper and learn to be satisfied in your savior when all is stripped away. We've been going over the book of Habakkuk and uh, today we are at part four of this amazing study that we've been doing and this amazing journey that we've been a part of. How to be content with God and the things of God and the purposes of God when all is stripped away. Today we're picking up from where we left off last week or we touched on the surface last week and that's Habakkuk chapter number two, verses one. And if we have time, we'll go four verses and if not three, uh, but we'll keep continuing this study of the word uh, as we progress uh, throughout this month until we're done with this book. 
For those of y'all who are not familiar with how we teach here at Commission, uh, we follow what is called an expository way of studying the Bible, where we take books and we, uh, we dissect it verse by verse, and we study and we ask God what he has to speak to us in this season uh, as a church. And uh, today, I know that God has a good word for us, and it's a continuation from where we left up, but I'm going to read from the ESV, and we're going to start with verse number one. I'm going to subtitle my message today, When God Tells You to Wait. When God Tells You to Wait. In verse number one, the Bible says this, Habakkuk says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me, what God will say to me and when and what I will answer concerning my complaint. We stopped there last Sunday. And today, uh, I'm, I'm going to start with verse number one, but uh, verse two to four will be our passage of study this, uh, this morning. And the Lord answered me. Here's the Lord's second answer to Habakkuk's second question. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, but it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It's not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Father, we thank you for this word. Would you speak to us through your word, give me the ability to be able to break this down into understandable portions, and I pray that this word will be life-changing in Jesus' name, amen. There was this old man that was waiting for his doctor's appointment. He got super tired. He said, man, I waited too much. He walked up to the nurse, and he looked at her, and he said, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to die of natural causes. All right. There's so many of us that hate waiting rooms. A lot of y'all are in the medical field, doctors and PAs and, uh, and nurses and nurse practitioners. And so many of y'all see the ins and outs of waiting rooms day after day. A lot of y'all inflict that pain of waiting upon us as well, us patients. Uh, you know, after talking so much, uh, Habakkuk has taken a new position. He's been talking and talking and conversating with God, and he has paused to actually reflect. He's taken this new position of telling himself, Habakkuk, why don't you pause? Why don't you take a moment to breathe? Why don't you step one step back, take a step back, and stop pacing and just stand and wait? A lot of us are waiting for different things in our lives today. Some of us are waiting for a job promotion. Some of us are waiting for a salary increase. Some of us are waiting for our dream house, probably. Some of y'all, you're single and you can't wait to get married. Some of y'all are waiting for a healing or a salvation to a loved one, wondering when healing is going to come to your broken marriage, a relationship that has been severed. It doesn't matter. I can go on and on. But a lot of us are waiting for different things. Habakkuk teaches us about the posture of waiting on God. How does Habakkuk wait? It's beautifully illustrated in these four verses, and I hope we can get through this. But I want to leave two main points with you today. All right? The two postures of waiting on God, as taught to us by Habakkuk the prophet. Point number one is when you wait... Wait prayerfully. Someone say, wait prayerfully. Point number one, and the first posture of waiting is praying while you wait. This posture helps us build our faith. Praying is hard. Praying is not the easiest thing to do, especially when you're going through turmoil, when you're going through pain, when you're going through seasons of despair and uh, not knowing what is next for you. There are seasons that you go through and you're like, Lord, why am I going through this? But when you prayerfully wait, it has this tendency of building your faith. In verse number one, like we started last week, the Bible says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself in the tower and look out to see what he will say to me, what God will say to me. 
He repositions himself from a place of worry and a place of walking around and pacing around to standing his ground and saying, I'm going to wait on the Lord and I'm going to see what he answers to my complaint. It's important for us to examine our posture when we pray. What is our posture when we pray? Do we pray expectantly? It's important that every prayer that comes out of a believer's mouth is expectant prayers. Knowing that I'm just not praying, but when I pray, I believe that something is going to happen. I believe that, that, that God will hear my prayers. For so many of us, we think that prayer is about changing the mind of God. Prayer is about changing our hearts. It's about repositioning our hearts. It's about positioning our hearts in places where God wants us to be, to be aligned with his will. In prayer, are we praying consistently? That's the next question I have to ask so many of us. Are we making sure that our prayers are consistent? Our prayers are, are prayers that are not religious, not repetitive, but they are orderly. They are, they are prayers that are intentional. They're so important. Are you praying accordingly? According to what? According to the will of God. It's so important to pray according to how God wants you to pray. The first posture is when we wait on the Lord, make sure that you are praying while you're waiting. Whatever waiting season you're in, don't waste the wait. Look at somebody and say, don't waste the wait. It's important. Don't allow your waiting period to just pass by. Don't sit, wait, wait, wait things to for, for things to happen to you. Yeah, things are going to happen when God says it's going to happen. It doesn't change that. But in the meanwhile, what are you doing to make sure that you make your waiting period fruitful? There's this checklist I want to give you today. Point number one relationship check while you pray is your relationship status good now I don't mean single or married or widowed that's not what I mean in a relationship and complicated no that's not what I mean when I say relationship check I'm referring to first Peter chapter number three and verse seven where the Bible says husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives or in other, in other words, husbands, live in understanding with your wives. The Bible doesn't say understand your wives. That's impossible. It says uh, live in understanding with your wives, right? And treat them with respect. It can't be clearer than that. It says treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will what? Hinder your prayers. He's saying respect your wife. Treat her like an equal. Treat her, that, that, treat her with honor and respect. Protect her with everything you have. If you want God to answer your prayers, men, women, make sure that, that respect is mutual, that you respect one another. Are you honoring your children? Are you honoring your parents? Are you honoring one another? Don't approach the Lord in prayer and ask God to move if you don't honor and respect in the first place. I'm referring to Mark chapter 11 when I talk about relationship check. I'm saying, the Bible says, and when, you're, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may also forgive your sins. Man, how many of y'all have, have tried fighting in the car on long drives? Husbands, wives? I, I don't know. Not, not, I mean, I, I don't mind tried fighting like, okay, let's pick a fight and let's fight. That's not what I mean. But how many of y'all have fought in a car like ever with somebody? Right? It cannot be, it doesn't have to be your wife or it doesn't have to be your husband. It doesn't get like super awkward, Jeff. Like it gets like super awkward and you're stuck in the car for four hours. You're like, okay, can't go to another room. Can't take a walk. I was actually talking to a newly married friend yesterday, or actually on Friday at a wedding that we were at. And I was like, hey man, how's marriage going? And he says, hey man, I'm, I'm having fun, but I'm learning how some phrases may be super sensitive when you talk to your wife. And I'm like, tell me, brother, praise God. This is good stuff. Tell me what you're learning, and I can say amen to that because a good seven years of marriage will teach you a lot, right? He said, he told me the other day, he was like, I was having this argument with my wife, and she was just about to calm down, and then I had to open my big fat mouth and say, calm down. And he said, that didn't go down too well. That really didn't. What, the, the conversation that had to end and the discussion and the, the, the argument that had to end in five minutes took five days to end after I told her to calm down. Men, do not tell your wives to calm down. But what I'm trying to say is make sure that your relationship, check. 
When you get into the presence of God, don't just pray without having a clear conscience of your, are your relationships vertical, horizontal? It could be with your parents. It could be your friends. Make sure that you make amends with people. Don't come into the, that's Pharisaical prayer. That's praying like Pharisees where you don't care about other people's feelings, where you walk around hurting people and, and, and putting people down and speaking down on people and at the same time coming to the presence of God and acting holier than thou. And God's like, I don't hear those prayers. Relationship checklist, right? I mean, the second thing, what is Bible-based prayer? It's motives, motives check. That's what we need to understand. What is it? James 4 verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. He said, man, you ask and ask and you're like, God, why are you not answering my prayers? And God's like, well, I can't answer your prayers because your motive is not right. The Bible does say, ask whatever you ask my name, I will give you as long as it's in the will of the Father. That's so important. What is your motives when you approach the presence of God and ask him for something? Are you checking off the lifestyle box? Lifestyle check. In James 5.16, the Bible says, therefore confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. It's effective. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 15 and 29 says, the Lord is far from the wicked when he hears the prayers of the righteous. Now, I'm encouraging us. How many of us approach the holy presence of God with an unholy attitude? How many of us need to get it right before the Lord in a personal way? How many of us fail to ask God for forgiveness? It's so important when we get into the presence of God, say, Lord, I'm a sinner in desperate need of forgiveness from you. I want to entertain you. I want to, I want to indulge you this morning and ask you to just open your ears out for a few seconds every single day when we get into the presence of God. I ask that you will ask him to reveal every deepest secret in your heart, to bring out every deep, deepest pain and sin in your heart so that you can get into the presence of God with a clean conscience saying, God will answer my prayers because I have laid it out. You can't withhold from God and expect God to unleash his blessing upon you. Come on, somebody. Are you, are you, am I talking to somebody? We're like, Lord, open up the heavens. Send us your blessings. But you know what? I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to pain. I'm going to hold on to grief. I'm going to hold on to hurt. I'm going to hold on to what so-and-so said to me. I'm going to, Lord, this sin that I just did yesterday, Lord, I'm not even going to say anything about that on a Sunday morning. But yet, I'm like, open up the heavens, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Blessings, Lord. I just want blessings, blessings, Lord. And God's like, man, you're holding back. What are you holding back today? Fourth, faith check. James 1.5. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. We'll talk about faith in a little bit, but are you asking with faith? Position number one. When you are waiting on the Lord, it's prayer, but you can't pray without making sure that all these things are met. Are you praying in faith? The last one, number five, is God's will check. 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, it will be done. And he hears us. That's what the Bible says. Is your will aligning with the will of the Father? It is the model of prayer. That's what even Jesus thought. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy. It's important. Jesus praying to the Father at the worst moment, the most painful moment of his life. He says, Lord, take this cup of suffering away from me, but not my will, but. Are we making sure that we're checking all these things off when we approach prayer? The correct attitude to have while waiting in the presence of God is praying while you wait. Known, be known as a person who is a prayerful prayer warrior. Be known as a person who can intercede. Be known as a person that can stand in the gap and no matter what adversity comes at you, you are known for praying and standing your ground and saying, God, it doesn't matter. My circumstance might not change, but my heart can change to align up with your purpose. And Habakkuk says, Lord, Judah's not probably gonna change. The, the oppression's not gonna change. The problems in our country is not gonna change, but help me. Lord to align my heart with your purposes sometimes it's so easy to listen to the mumbo and jumbo and the noise 
of the world and the things around us than, to the, than the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit and the quiet voice of God speaking to you. I'm asking for us to tune in today. The first attitude that he adopts is waiting prayerfully. It's gonna build his faith. And as you will notice in the next few weeks as we progress through Habakkuk, we will see how his faith progresses. His faith builds. The second point is he waited patiently. Someone say patiently. This is where we'll spend some time. He waited patiently because patience or waiting in the presence of God with patience builds character. When waiting with prayer builds faith, you also need your character to build at the same time. And what helps you do that is to practice that character called patience. Verse number two, and the Lord answered me. He says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Habakkuk does not say how long he had to wait before the Lord answered him, right? The verse, between verse one and two, we don't know if that is five minutes. We don't know if it's two hours. We don't know if it's a week. We don't even know if it's a year. But he follows that up with, and the Lord answered me and said, write this vision down. Vision is amazing, y'all. Vision can transform people. Vision can change people. We began talking about vision in, in Habakkuk chapter number one, where God gives him the oracle, the, the vision that he initially gave him, right? There's six characteristics of God-given vision that I want to really quickly teach this morning, all right? Take notes if you can. Point number one, write this down. God-given dreams and visions are always clear. God-given dreams and visions are always clear. He says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, I'm gonna tell you something this morning. Dreams and visions are powerful. We're a church that believes in the supernatural. We believe that God has called us for a season like this and he gives us dreams and visions that will propel what he has in store for us or the vision that he has for us. When God looks at Habakkuk, he, he begins his answer with, Habakkuk, this is what I want you to do right now. I want you to write the vision down. I want you to make it plain in tablets. You got to understand this. If God has given you a dream, if God has given you a vision, it will be crystal clear. There are 21 dreams recorded in the Bible. 10 of them happen to be in the book of Genesis. It's amazing how when everything started, it started with a dream. There were dreamers. There were people that dreamed. There were people that God revealed himself through in dreams when there was no distractions. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Back in the times of Genesis, when, when there were no distractions and there was no Netflix and Amazon Prime and cell phones and Instagrams and, and, and social media. Man, there were people that actually saw dreams. Come on, somebody. Do you know the Bible says in the last days, our young men and women will see dreams and visions and they will prophesy. It's coming, guys. It's coming. I see it coming back when all this stuff will wither away and we will refocus our attention on what matters and that's the voice of God. It's so important to position ourselves. Genesis itself, out of, the, out, of the, out of the many dreams, out of the 21 dreams, 10 of them, almost half of them happen in the book of Genesis. Every family needs a dreamer. The dreamer in my family was my sister, is still my sister. I get scared every single time my sister has a dream because she comes and tells me about it. And guess what? Every single time she sees something, it comes to pass. And we better pray it up. We better, you know, make sure that we have our, our, our we go in prayers, guns blazing, because, man, God has given her a gift of seeing dreams, and she will be crystal clear. It's not, hey, Ashish, I had a dream last night. I, I, I don't know exactly what I saw, but I think it's this, or I think, no, 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 no. It's crystal clear, and it scares you sometimes. You're like, God, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, God, I shouldn't have messed up. And you told my sister about this. And my sister just revealed this to us. She's revealed this to our families. And, 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 and sometimes we need dreamers around us that can reveal God's plans and reveal God's minds and warn us and give us sightings as to what is coming. There was an Abimelech that saw a dream about Sarah and, and God looks at Abimelech and says, hey, don't you touch that woman. And he says, oh, I'm, not, I'm taking this real serious because God has spoken to me. You see this man called Jacob who's going to sleep and he wakes up because these angels of work, he's, he's seeing these dreams of angels going up and down a ladder. We, 
We're seeing amazing, crazy dreams. Abraham has dreams. You know, Jacob has dreams. And, 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 and God looks at Jacob in a dream and says, get up and go home. I need you to go home. Joseph in the New Testament has a dream in Genesis again where he sees one sheaf of grain standing up and the rest bowing down. He sees the sun and the stars and the move bow down in front of him and he goes and tells his brother this stuff. He sees dreams of seven fat cows going to graze and seven thin ones coming and eating all of them. This man called Solomon, King Solomon, sees this amazing dream where God reveals himself to him and says, Solomon, I want to bless you, man. I want to give you. He gives him a blank check and he says, whatever you want, whatever you want, go ahead and ask and I'll give it to you. Amazing dream. They were all certain. There was no morbidity. There was no any sense of doubt. There was no, oh, this may be right or this may be wrong. There is no flu. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't confusing at all. God spoke to them. God gave them clear-cut instructions. God gave them clear-cut visuals and said, this is what I am going to do. How many of y'all, I don't know how many of y'all have woken up at 4 a.m. because you had a dream and you remember it so clear. I remember the times where God has woken me up in the middle of the night and, and instead of going back to sleep, I'm like, Lord, there was a reason that I woke up and I just spent time in prayer and I can remember every single thing that God revealed. It could be praying for a person in our church. It could be praying for a friend. It could be praying for our family. I still remember in the middle of the night, I was, I was actually putting Michaela to sleep and I went to sleep with her in her bed. And in the middle of the night, I just wake up and, and I couldn't go back to sleep. And the Holy Spirit kept telling me, hey, pray for Michaela. So I, I put my hands on her and I prayed for her and I was like praying and I was like, I was asking God for, for, for just deliverance and breakthrough. There were certain things that God was telling me, and I was just praying for her. And, and she understood that there was this weight on her head, and she was like, Dada, you're bothering me. I was like, girl, I'm casting the devil out of you. You better stop right now, you know? And, and I'm like, like praying for her, and I'm asking God for breakthrough in her life. But there's sometimes that God wakes us, uh, wakes us up in the middle of nowhere and says, there's something coming. Man, if you want to hear what God is saying, get yourself to where he's speaking. Some of us are like, oh, brother, I don't know. God speaks to you. He never speaks to me. Sometimes you've got to be available to where he's speaking. Some of us get, need to get to church. Some of us need to be on those Tuesday evening prayer meetings. <laughs> Some of us need to show up here at church before 10 o'clock and spend time, 10 minutes in prayer. I'm telling you, it's amazing when y'all can come into the presence of God, saturate yourself in worship before worship actually happens. Drop the kids off. They start checking 10 minutes early. Drop them off. Come in here. Pray for some time. Spend some time in the presence of God in prayer. God never speaks to me. Pick up your Bible. 66 books. God has spoken so clear. Sometimes, dust it off. Read a little bit. Ask God. God, talk, speak to me. He will, I promise you. Visions are clear. See, here's the thing. If it's from God, it will be crystal clear. You will have peace of mind. You will have a confirmation. And if it's not from God, it'll be blurry. It creates questions. It's filled with confusion. But you got to get into the presence of God and say, God, if this is from you, would you please confirm this to me? Don't hesitate to throw a fleece and say, God, wet it because I need to see that this is from you, Lord. It will be crystal clear. The Bible says that God looked at him and said, write the vision and make it clear. Point number two, visions are meant to be shared. Visions are meant to be shared. He said, go and write it so large and so clear that even a person hurrying, a person that's running through the market, a person that's walking right by these tablets and these manuscripts, they are able to read it. They are able to understand it. I want to make a very clear um, explanation here today. I want to clear some air here today. There's this gross mis misinterpretation of scripture uh, to this particular scripture. And I've heard this preached so many times from different people. But it's so important. The three rules of studying scripture are context, context, and context. You cannot take Habakkuk 2, 2, and 2, 3 and preach from it without actually reading Habakkuk 1. 
The context of Habakkuk 2.2 and 2.3 is Habakkuk 1, where God gives them this vision, this oracle about the condition of the people of Israel. I see a lot of people saying, oh man, God says if God gives you a vision, write it down on a paper, write it down in a diary, stow it away, pray about it, put it on your thing. You know, oh, that's great. I'm not against all of that. But don't use this scripture to justify that because that's not what it means. Am I clear this morning? We're going to keep going and you'll understand this. There's this gross misinterpretation of the scripture when one would say, man, when, when they say, you know, this means write down a vision or form some vision boards. Here's the thing. Vision boards are a self-help tool, not a spirit-driven or a spirit-led tool. It's great. You could put up vision boards. Here's my problem with vision boards, right? Here's my problem. They are your plans, not God's plans. Am I talking to somebody? I'm not against you dreaming. I'm not against you aspiring. I'm not against you saying, this is what I want to do. These are my goals. Man, do all of that, right? I have no problems with that. But don't make it a spiritual thing and don't make it a God thing because you can write and draw a vision board and say that's from God. It's not. Spend time in the presence of God and if you say, hey, God told me to write this and God told me that I should do this and this and this and by the year 2025, these and this and this and this and this are the things I need to accomplish, call that a vision board. Okay. Don't put together stuff that you think that you should achieve and you should dream about and you should accomplish and say, hey, you know what? This is great, you know? When they, when they don't, you know, when they're not accomplished, when they, when they don't come to fruition, you're wondering if God was with you or not. And God was like, I wasn't from the beginning. I wasn't included from the beginning. I need to go on, but, but I hope you catch my drift over here, right? God-given vision is easily explainable, right? See, it may not make sense. Like, like the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down may not make sense. Like fat cows being eaten by little puny cows do not make sense. Come on, somebody. A little boy called David standing in front of a Goliath and slaying him down. Don't make no sense. But let me tell you, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He flips the script. That's what he's known for. Sometimes your, your dreams and your visions are directly in contradiction with your circumstances or how you look at life. What God is telling you that, that he's going to do through you and the business that you're about to start, you're like, Lord, business? Like me? I'd rather like go to my nine to five, slog it out, like go be tired when I get home and complain about my job than, man, having my own business, Lord. No, it might not seem realistic. Your bank balance might not measure up to what God is about to do, but that's the amazing thing about dreams and visions. They are always directly in conflict with what your present situation is. Hmm. See, it may not make sense, but beyond a shadow of a doubt, the person who sees it will be like, man, I saw it. God told me about it. When he says, Habakkuk, write this down, he said, man, whatever I promised you, I want you to put it into writing. It's just not a he said or she said thing. I'm going to stand by my word. In a few minutes, you'll understand why he tells you, he tells you to write it down. Some of y'all need to take the word of God that is already written and stand on the promises of God and say, hey man, Lord God, you have told me this and these are the promises for me and my family and this is written, God, and what is written cannot be changed. It is, it is important that you write down stuff that God says to write down. It is important. Should you write down what God reveals to you? Sure. If that's how you respond to God's word, do that. But don't use this verse as a foundation to do it because it does not suggest that in any way. It doesn't suggest that everything you see in your dreams, if you see a black crow, not that there's a white one, I've never seen one, but a black crow flying around your house, you should go and write that down in vision and you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I saw something, but I don't know. I, I, I got to ask God what that means. That's probably not relevant because when God gives you vision, he says it's very clear. He says, make it clear. It's only possible to make something clear if you've heard it clear. And God will make it clear to you and your family. It was, it was so relevant for Sonia and I when we were starting Commission Church. 
We looked at God and said, God, unless you speak to us so clear to the both of us, we're not going to do anything that we, that, 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 that we should not be doing. And God revealed to us, and just not to me, but also to her, where his plans were and his timing was. It's so important to understand that visions are meant to be shared. And he says, write it down, write it down, so that people that read it, Will, be, will rejoice with you. People that, that are supposed to join with you in this vision will join with you in this vision. People that are support to support you in this vision will support you in this vision. Is it clear and crystal clear? That's what he's saying. Point number three, write it down. Visions have an appointed time. In the New Living Translation, Habakkuk 2 and verse 3, it says this, the vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. It's important to break this down, all right? The Bible says the vision awaits its appointed time. I want to make a clarification. The verse does not say you await your appointed time. The Bible is very clear when it says the vision has a time of fulfillment. See, a lot of us mix that up and say, my time has not yet come. It's not your time. It's the vision and the vision's time. There's a clear distinction between the two. Here's the problem with our time. We can change our timeline because of the things that we do in a foolish manner. That's why God does not revolve his stuff around us because we make crazy decisions. We're talking about Abraham and Sarah last Sunday. Abraham, God looks at Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son in my time. He gives him the vision. And he says, this vision will come to fruition in my time. It's, it's always the, the, the fruition of the vision, not you as a person, because you make dumb decisions sometimes, Abraham. And you're going to make one. You're going to create something and call it my blessing. And that's not going to be my blessing. Here, but God, here you go. This Ishmael, it's a blessing from above. It's heaven's gift. And God's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing, but it's a, it's a blessing that you made, not the one that I gave, right? We talked about this last Sunday. It's important to understand that. So the Bible says the vision is for a future time, right? The message version says this. The, 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 the message is, the, the vision message is a witness pointing to, to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's, it's on its way. It will come at the right time. Some of us have been waiting for a long time and some of us are wondering, when, Lord? When will it come? When is my time gonna come? And God says, just wait because he does not make a mistake. The appointed time always comes to pass for any vision that is God-given. It doesn't expire. It doesn't wither away. It doesn't go unnoticed by God. When God says, I will give you something, he means every word of it. And I want to encourage you this morning. Point number four, write it down. Visions point to destiny. That verse ends by saying, the vision is for a future time. It describes the end. Visions point to destiny. God has an appointed time for all his purposes and their fulfillment. It cannot be hastened. It cannot be pushed through. It cannot be saying, you, you, you can't put an urgent on it. You can't put a, 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 a speedy you know, delivery on it. That, it's not possible. His schedule was made before the foundation of the world. He knew that you were not going to have a job from this time to this time. He knew you were not going to be married from this time to this time. He knew he was going to work on you as a single person from this time to this time. He knew that that relationship was going to severe and was going to have problems from this time to this time. He knew that you were going to be ostracized by that manager from this time to this time because he says, I knew you and I knew your name even before the the foundations of the earth were put in place. He knew your name. He counts every hair that falls from your head. I console myself because of that every day. And when the appointed time comes, the vision will be accomplished. Point number five, visions are true. Write it down. Visions are true. You know what the enemy's lie is? Here's what the enemy's lie is. 
If you have to wait for it, maybe it wasn't meant to be. If you have to wait for it, if it's taking way too long, maybe it wasn't meant to be. But the Bible is very clear when it says it might take time, but it will not lie. Why not? Because the source of the message, the source of the dream, the source of the vision is a non-lying God. Y'all not excited? Numbers 22 and 19 says that God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Or in other words, he's not you and me. Does he, not, does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God tells Habakkuk that he can count on God's worth, God's faithfulness, and God's plan. No matter how surprising the plan may be, no matter how weird it may sound, no matter how, how weird that dream may sound, God, why? Why are you sending a more evil nation to deal with us as an evil nation? But God says, even if I try to tell you, you will not understand. So sit back, hold on, grip tight, ride the wave, let me do what I do best. Be content with what God is doing right now. Trust in him. Hold on to his promises and say, man, if God said it, he will do it. It doesn't matter what happens. Uh, let's not miss this. Let's not miss this broader personal application of this statement that, that every single word in God's book, the Bible, will come to pass exactly as he has declared and decreed. So wait patiently for its fulfillment. His perfect plan will happen in his perfect time. Point number six, vision requires patience. Write it down. Vision requires patience. The Bible continues to say that. It says, though it tarries, wait for it. In the original Hebrew, that's a commandment. It's a command, wait for it. It's not a suggestion. It's not a man, if, it, if, it, you know, if, if you're not inconvenienced by it, could you please wait? He's not the customer service rep that says, I'm, I apologize that you have to wait. No, it's a command. He says, wait. Patience is a virtue that carries a lot of weight. Isaiah 64 and 4 reminds us why it's always worthwhile to wait on the Lord and his promises. And what the Bible says over there is that he says, man, what no eye has seen, no ears heard, no heart has ever imagined, God has in store for those who love him. Come on, somebody. If that doesn't give you joy, if that doesn't give you purpose, if that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. No matter what I tell you from this platform will not matter. God has a time, and his time is always perfect. I know it takes courage to wait, Lisa. It takes courage to wait. The Holy Spirit shows us, man, the right things to do. It takes courage to say no right now. It takes courage to look at opportunities and decline them. It takes courage to look at people that come up to you and knock at your door and say, not today. It takes courage to look at situations around you and say, man, I prayed about it. I don't think this is God's will in my life. Because here's what the enemy will try to do. He'll try to give you good, to make you happy, to make you content, instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to wait for the best. Because Ecclesiastes 3 reminds us that and says, in his time, he makes all things beautiful, which means just not possible, not just good. It will be the very best. But the condition is that you and I got to hold on. We got to grip tight. We got to be content with what God is doing and say, I don't need to understand it, Lord. It takes courage when God says, wait, to sit down and wait. You know what a lot of us end up doing? We go for our second opinion. We're like, oh, I have to wait? I think I need to go check another source. Like, I, let's see what Google says about this. Let's see what some commentary says. No, man, God told you directly to wait. Wait. If you believe that God is who he says, now listen carefully. If you believe that God is who he says he is, you will have the patience for his time. I'm going to say this again because this is probably the most important statement that I will make today. If you trust 
and believe that your God is who he says he, he is, you will have the patience for his time. The other day I was, uh, we were, I was driving Michaela to school and we were in this long line to drop her off. She says, Dada, you're wasting time. And I was like, baby, I'm not wasting time. I'm, I, I can't go. Like I'm on somebody else's time here. And unless that time comes, I'm not going to be able to drop you. It's the exact word she said. You're wasting time, Dada. Because she thought I had the ability to just like go through the traffic. See, we have no problem listening to God about trivial things, but big things, we don't. We don't want to listen to God. We, we have a hard time listening to God. We want second opinions at that point in time. God makes this powerful statement about time over here. And what, and, and what he's trying to tell us is this. What seems slow to us only seems that way because of our limited perspective about the way we look at it. And that's why God repeats and says, if I try to make you understand, you won't. What do we usually do, right? We oftentimes equate slow drivers with dumb drivers, right? Don't we? Come on, somebody. You know it's not just me. Now, We never look at them as careful drivers. We never do. We never look at them as, man, she's a mindful driver. I respect that she's going slow in the left. No, you don't. I'm sorry I said she, but it's a he. Sometimes it's he's too. <laughs> My God is not a NASCAR driver that wants to take you on for a joyride. He's a masterful craftsman who takes his time. He's not a dumb driver. He's a careful driver. Driver. He's a, he's a thought out driver. He's a masterful driver. And while the wheels are in his hands, quit just singing the song saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Mean it for once and say, God, as long as you're driving, I shall not, I will not fear. I will be content with where I am. You take control. I am just going to lean and trust in you. Perceived slowness makes us question God. He's not slow. The words wait for it, it will surely come, are words that you and I need to cling on to when we are confused or when we feel that God is silent. Remind yourselves God is faithful. Tell yourself that over and over and over again. If you have to repeat it a hundred times, tell yourself God is faithful. And if he said it, he will do it. And his promises are a yes and an amen. Pray that over your children. Pray that over your spouse. Pray that over your doubting mind. Pray that over your soul till you believe it from the inside out. Every time you want to give in, keep pushing forward and say, if he said it, he will do it. God is faithful. His answer and his completion of his plan will come to pass. See, this tension between God's timing and human time is evident from the list of temporarily related words found in these three verses, like appointed time and hastens and will not fail and tarries and wait and certainly come and not delay. And all these words kind of confuse us sometimes. But waiting becomes a matter of faith as the Lord informs Habakkuk in chapter, verse number three, you must wait. Worship team, would you come help me out this morning? As we approach communion today, I want you to listen out this last few things that I have to say and, and remind you this morning. Not everything that looks good is right. It looks right, but it's probably not for me. That door, that job, that opportunity, it looks amazing, y'all. But have you taken a moment to pray about it? And say, God, is this for me? See, you don't have to understand why. All you got to do is ask yourself if you're going to be, you're going to be obeying God. Are you, are you going to obey God in what he's asking you to do? I can't begin to explain to you and uh, you cannot fathom the difficulties that actually come because of disobedience. It's big, it's huge. 
People praying for marriage, they're like, man, I want to get married. They get excited about one another. They stop talking to somebody. They get excited about one another. And before you know it, they want to get married. But my question is, did you ask God about it? But he looks so good, pastor. Look at him. I'm like, I did. I did. But did you ask God to look at him? Your decisions need to be made in the presence of God, not under the pressure of the world. Your decisions that you make have to be made in the presence of God, not under the pressures of the world. Because some of the worst decisions have been made when you're under pressure. That's what we do as human beings, not just as Christians, as human beings. But when you and I make it a practice to rest our souls, and say, God, I've got to make some of the biggest decisions in my life and I want to make these decisions in prayer, not in pressure. God takes that pressure off you because that decision has been made in the private prayer room on your knees. So you're not going to shake on your feet. Your knees have done the talking for you. Some of the most desperate weeping I've seen from people have been this direct uh, result of direct disobedience of God's will. When everything is said and done, you can't just be like, it is what it is. It'll all work out. You can't work out disobedience to God. You can't. Try to explain it away however you want. Try to sugarcoat it however you want. You just cannot work out disobedience. It doesn't work. God's timing is perfect. It may appear to be late, but He knows what is best for you. Can I give you the problem? The problem is there's so many of us struggle with patience because of FOMO, because of the fear of missing out. We talked about this last week. The fear of if I don't get it now, I won't get it. If I don't do it now, it won't be done. Here's the thing, if God doesn't provide something that you've been praying for, asking for, maybe, just maybe, you don't need it. It isn't good for you, or it's not the right timing. Have we thought about it that way? It takes faith to trust for God's timing, and today I want to urge your faith forward. I want to push your faith forward. As we worship for some time, there are some of us that need to make decisions of trusting in God. Some of us have you know, long forgotten how to trust in God. I want to remind us today, if it's God's will, He'll make a way. He'll open the doors. It takes faith to wait upon God, trusting in Him. It doesn't mean that we will get what we want when we want it. It doesn't mean that. Trusting in Him says, when the time is right, I believe God will provide what I'm asking from Him. It takes faith to wait. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 37, there's this reflection of this verse in Habakkuk, but a new covenant version of it, and it goes like this, for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. It's beautiful how the same passage is echoed in respect of our Savior and the soon and coming Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.